1: folks get into some mailbag questions want to thank everybody in advance for all of the questions that we have in the chat again mb or mailbag in front we'll be able to roll through some of these questions appreciate you all so much for the ones that we have in want to start us off with coleman smith coleman asks if the wide receivers build on this could it, it make us get back in with ryan wingo Of course, Ryan Wingo is wide receiver out of St. Louis University in the state of Missouri. uh, He is considered a five-star by at least two platforms in the 2025, or sorry, 2024 recruiting class. It's a great question, Coleman. This is where I will say with this, right, is that from a wide receiver perspective, Notre Dame has already hit their numbers. You have Cam Williams. You have Sorry, I'm just reading some of these comments. Y'all are funny. Cam Williams, Micah Gilbert, and Logan Saldate are in the class. Three is only the number that you needed. So you're good to go there. What I will say, though, is that I think Notre Dame will keep attention open to some impact-wide receivers in the 2024 class if there is an impact made. Right, So I think that Ryan Wiggles a guy that I wouldn't be shocked if Notre Dame keeps tabs on. I wouldn't be shocked if they keep tabs on a couple of wide receivers, not because they need the need necessarily, but because they are in a position where if you knock it out of the park, then more guys are going to want to come. And I'm, I'm of the belief that you never turn away great football players. And I think that's the belief that Notre Dame is in right now is that you didn't need four wide receivers in the class, but in the world of college football, where it is, Numbers can change so quickly, guys. It's like Jaden Thomas, if he has a, a great season, you know, like say he repeats his first game and he continues to build off of it and he has a great year. What if he decides to go pro, for instance? What if there's a player or two decided to transfer this offseason? What if there's an injury that happens? Numbers can fluctuate so much. It can also fluctuate in the other direction as well. Because if Notre Dame. Like let's say, for instance, they're expecting, and I am talking about wide receiver, but let's just expect say that they're expecting a guy to maybe leave after. when did someone say Ryan Wingo doesn't have grades? Uh Ryan, I don't know where that one came from, but Ryan Wingo has grades. He is more than qualified enough to get into the University of Notre Dame. He's a high academic kid. My point was is though, is that sorry, I get sidetracked sometimes, guys. Stick with me. Remember ADHD over here. So I believe that numbers can fluctuate in both directions. Let's say that there's a couple of guys in Notre Dame's roster that Notre Dame expects to be out after this year. And they decide to come back for a fifth year or they come back due to an injury or you know whatever the decision might be made. Numbers can fluctuate so much so quickly that I think that you continue to recruit those types of players just in case, the elite players. And uh, Ryan Loftus, it, it's not going to work out, most likely with Ryan Wingo, because he's just not that interested in Notre Dame. That's kind of where that conversation is. So it's not going to work out with Notre Dame. It's The reason that Ryan Wingo wouldn't go to Notre Dame is because it would have nothing to do with grades. Ryan Wingo is... Very smart, very good student. He can get into the University of Notre Dame. That is no issue at all. There's a couple other players we've talked about that it would be an issue, but Ryan Wingo was never one of those players that was an issue. So I think Notre Dame will keep recruiting guys like Ryan Wingo. I think they'll keep recruiting really good players in general. And if you were able to take the next step, I think that Notre Dame could potentially lure some of those guys in. And if a Ryan Wingo – and I'm just using Ryan Wingo as an example because that's the player that was asked here, right, with Coleman. But if a Ryan Wingo decided, oh, I, I love – I love this – I love this group, right? Like I love this school, and now they show me that they can produce wide receivers and be productive, and I want to come Notre Dame, I think that Notre Dame would make that – make that obviously an option for him, right? So – Always recruit great football players because numbers can change very quickly. So, great question, though, Coleman, to get us started here.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: David Lowe, I didn't see in the chat anymore, said any outside shot that I was trying to work on Ryan Wingo if he wants in. Just kind of the same thing real quick. I I just kind of hit on this so I don't want to revisit all the same spots. But, David, I think that Notre Dame will continue to recruit some guys because there's always an option and numbers can change very quickly. Thank you, though, for the question. I appreciate you. We had a question from Rob Osgood who says, in your opinion, I know it's only one game, but what do you think recruits in the 2025 class took away from the Navy game? It's a great question, Rob, because like you said, it's only one game and it is against Navy, right? It wasn't like it was a great team and you were, you know, it's not like you beat Ohio State game one and everything was all the, everything was kicking on high cylinders and all that type of stuff, right? I think that we need to understand every side to the conversation, right? One, Notre Dame did what they should have done against Navy because they were a better football team, more talented. But the one thing that I loved that I saw from Notre Dame that so they were incredibly organized. Uh, they just always seemed like they were a step ahead in that football game. And it looked like everything was just incredibly crisp and they were prepared. That's a great outlook for the coaches, right? And if I'm a player, I look at that and say, the coaches looked prepared. They look crisp. They had guys in the right position to make plays. But more than anything, I think the biggest outcome from this past game is it gave you a different perspective, on Notre Dame as far as how they can win games because we know last year for instance some of the most impressive games Notre Dame had I always point to Clemson I always point to Syracuse like a couple of the more important games that they had they they won off of talent but they won kind of gritty right like a lot of running the football not explosive passing game just some limitations offensively So when I so I think the biggest impact is that Notre Dame showed that they can win in different ways in week one. Which, if I'm a wide receiver, if I'm Taylor Taylor, if I am Derek Meadows, who's high on Notre Dame, if I am Cooper Perry, and I'm Dalen McCutcheon, and some of the other great wide receivers that Notre Dame is recruiting, I think he kind of like raised an eyebrow, like, huh? They they were right. Like they're going to implement their offense, and they are going to get wide receivers more involved. They're going to create explosive plays, and they're going to be more balanced and efficient on both sides of the coin. So, I really think that for me, it's just the showing a different layer to what you can be offensively. Man, like I, that was my biggest. <laughs> that, that was my biggest takeaway from this this game. This first game is that yes, it needs to translate now to NC State and Ohio state and Clemson and USC and some of the Duke and the bigger games of the schedule. But I really think Rob, it, it's a great question because I think that it just gave you a glimpse into what the possible is at Notre Dame. And the great thing is, is that it was week zero. So all these recruits were watching Notre Dame this weekend. They were because outside of the USC playing against San Jose state, where San Jose state actually put up a decent fight, at least all offensively against USC for a while. Wasn't a lot of great football games to watch. I mean, I watched them because I'm a weirdo and I just love watching games. So I was watching like Jackson state at some points and stuff. Right. But I, I think that for me, it's really that is that Notre Dame showed that maybe they're a little different than what the stigma is. The stereotype is. And I think that's a massive step for Notre Dame. I really do. We had another question from Coleman Smith. He said, when is Gerby Lambert going to make his commitment? The wait is annoying since it's kind of somewhat obvious Notre Dame is the pick. Colvin, I mean, this is, what, this is what we've been talking about. Obviously, Gerby Lambert is the 2024 offensive tackle out of Catholic Memorial up in West Roxbury, Massachusetts. Everyone keeps asking the same question, and I totally understand it. I get it, folks. Let me, let me say it again. I understand Notre Dame is in a really good spot with Gerby Lambert. People are anxiously awaiting him to make a decision. We think that Notre Dame is in the driver's seat for this one. Unfortunately, I don't know the answer. And I'm I mean, maybe Gerby knows the answer right now, but like sometimes I question if Gerby Lambert, as of right now, knows exactly when he's going to make the decision. All I know is that unfortunately, for fortunately for you all, let's do half a half here, Fortunately for you guys. The plan, as far as we know, is for him to still make a decision before his senior season kicks off. Unfortunate side of everything is that, from the waiting game perspective, is that Massachusetts games start a little bit later, so he's still not playing for a couple more weeks. So it can, it can drag on a little bit as far as the rest of the off season. but I would be surprised if... I'd I'd be surprised if this one went into the season. I'd be actually shocked if this one went into the season. Notre Dame's in a really good spot. I understand it's tough to be patient sometimes, but just be patient. Let the kid have his moment, and we'll see how it works out. Notre Dame is in a good spot, though. Just want to reiterate that one more time. Notre Dame is in a very good spot with Kirby Lambert heading into whenever that decision comes. Michael with a question. Any update on upcoming game day visits for 2024-2025 recruits? Also, anything new, Intel, regarding Deuce Knight? Thank you. Michael, so we have on the – I don't know if you're a member of the Irish Breakdown message board. I would say that if you're not, you should subscribe at boards.irishbreakdown.com because we have a visitor list already up there. So we already have several kids that are verified for the Ohio State game, for instance, or someone verified – for a Central Michigan game. That is Bear Bachmeyer, the 2025 quarterback out of the state of California. This next weekend, I forgot to do this in the first section. I should have, but we had a lot of content today. So we'll be all right, man. We'll be all right. So, and let me just start this question real quick. Logan Saldate is going to be coming for the Tennessee state game. Of course, he's committed to Notre Dame in the 2024 class. This will actually be his first visit to Notre Dame, which is kind of interesting. So he'll be on campus this weekend. Bear Bachmeyer will be on the next game against central Michigan at home. And then there's a, a litter of talented players that are going to the Ohio state game. So boards at Irish Anything new regarding Deuce Knight? Notre Dame has still positioned themselves in a very good spot. They are continuing that relationship. Deuce Knight is very high on Notre Dame. We expect a decision to be made this fall. And as of right now, we expect his visit to be for the USC game. That's just kind of where that one is trending as of right now. So nothing crazy new, just Notre Dame is maintaining momentum, which you need to in this recruitment. So we still feel good about where Notre Dame is with Deuce Knight as of right now. Great question, though, Michael. Thank you so much. Next question, I wanted to – actually, I had a super chat from Raymond Harton. My bad, Raymond. I completely missed the super chat, sir. Let me pull this up real quick. Great first game. Love the coaching up of, of the guys on our team this year. Go Irish. Absolutely, Raymond. Thank you so much for the super chat, sir. But, yes, I think that was the biggest takeaway I had from Notre Dame the first game. It wasn't that Notre Dame is really talented and they took care of business. Like, that stuff was obvious for me. It was that coaching-wise – Everything looked crisp, man. Like, even mistakes they made, it wasn't because they were out of position or it was a bad call necessarily. The coaches just looked like they had complete control over that game, which I think was a really good sign for Notre Dame. Really, really good sign. Let me, And Raymond, thank you again for the super chat, man. I appreciate it. We had Irish Blood who said, can we all agree that Notre Dame should keep the end zone designed from Ireland and bring it to South Bend? I would actually just love people's – takeaways from that i i didn't i didn't hate it but i mean i'm a traditionalist a little bit i mean i i don't know people just put your opinion in the chat man i I don't really have like a strong opinion overall about the end zone design i think that it was sharp i think it looked nice but i don't know about an every game perspective i mean i i don't know i don't know i'm very indecisive with that stuff sometimes because i am admittedly Uh, traditionalists. I like things staying the same. So, uh, I don't know. It it was nice, though. It was definitely nice. So, I I don't know if people agree with that or not. We can all agree. I wanted to see some people kind of putting stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I was just reading a couple of these comments. I'll try to get, get a picture of it, too. I know someone just asked if there was a picture of the end zone. I think I could probably pull one up, but let me see if I... Can or cannot. But let's move on to the next question here from Irish Gordon. Says, assuming Notre Dame lands all currently committed wide receivers, how would you rank the wide receiver class for Notre Dame in 2024 room from an athletic upside perspective? Uh Irish Gordon, I'm assuming this is compared to 2023. Is that what this is asking me? I assume. I mean, I mean, for me personally, I would say. Cam Williams and Braylon James, I think, have similar upsides as a football player. I just think that Cam Williams probably brings a little bit more of a, well, not a little bit more. He brings a much higher floor than what Braylon James is. But I think they're up up, under, I think they're, I think their upsides are pretty similar, though. I really do. I think what the next thing is when you compare Rico Flores to Caleb Smith and, Uh, Sorry, Rico Flores, Caleb Smith, and Jane Greathouse comparative to Logan Saldate and Micah Gilbert. First and foremost, it's a hard comparison because we're carrying three guys to two guys. I mean, that's a little bit tough, right? I think that Micah Gilbert's. I'll put it like this. I think that the the ceiling might be a little bit higher in 2024, but I think the the floor in 2023 is just a little bit higher. Like, I know Jane Greyhouse is going to be a good player. I know Rico Flores is going to be a good player. I believe that Saldate and Mike Gilbert are going to be really good players, but, like, Jane Greyhouse is one of the highest floors that I saw in either the 2024 or 2025 class. Ultimately, though, I think 2024 class is fantastic. I really do, and I think it fits really well together. It's very diverse alignment-wise. I mean, like, I'll put it like this. I think all three receivers in 2024 could play multiple spots in the Notre Dame system. Like, there's not a slot-only player. I don't think there's only there's just a boundary-only player. Like, Cam Williams, I think, could play Z to the field. I think he could play in the boundary at times. I think that Logan Saldate could play both field positions. And I also think that Micah Gilbert could play boundary. He could play slot. So I think all those players are really, really talented and diverse with how you can align them up. So I'm I'm big on the 2024 class, man. I think that that's, that class is going to end up surprising a lot of people, not Notre Dame fans either, like a lot of people outside. Because those, as of right now, most people have Logan Saldate rated as a three-star. That's going to be people's outside perception. Oh, well, this kid, this small school kid from California, was coming to Oregon State. Like, how good can he be? Micah Gilbert, you know, lack of production because of injury last season. Like, how good could he be? He's only a top two hundred and fifty kid, and I think that we're just underrating a couple of those guys right now. We had OC fan said, "Man, and mailbag." It's simple math. As Notre Dame succeeds, IB Nation grows and succeeds. Yes, sir. I mean, I mean, it really is. It's funny, though, in the media side of things because there's times when chaos ensues that media outlets actually do flourish a little bit, right? It's like when the Brian Kelly stuff was happening, like numbers were great, right? Because it's like everyone wants to read about it because it's like recent news. So any type of news does drive the clicks, but ultimately the positive news will always drive more than the negative when it's all said and done, in my opinion. And I think that we saw that on Saturday. I mean, if you guys didn't hear my beginning intro, I just was kind of thanking all the listeners and everyone because you all have obviously been tapped into Notre Dame football first and foremost, and you have helped our message board grow extensively. you just gave us on Saturday. We had our biggest viewership from a site perspective ever, so we owe a lot, a lot of that to you. But I think that you are hit, hitting on something there, OC Irish fan. Is that when great things happen, IB Nation will continue to grow with, with as the Notre Dame program continues to grow. So yes, we are, we are definitely given a lot of opportunities based upon how the team is doing, which is a very interesting dynamic. But thank you so much for the for the question though, or the statement, I should say. We had Matthew McCarthy, Matt McCarthy. Who I think it's back-to-back questions we'll get to here. He said, Ryan, do you think Notre Dame would take a fourth receiver in the 2024 class if the right one came along? What players would you personally be pushing for? I-, I do think that they would at least be open to the conversation, Matt. Yeah, I talked about this with a little bit with the Ryan Wingo question that came up earlier. But if a Ryan Wingo wanted to come to campus, do so I think Notre Dame would take him? Yeah. Yeah, I think they would push it to four in that instance, right? I don't have names as much as – because like Ryan Wingo is one of the only guys that people bring up because Notre Dame had been recruiting him, right? And he's still uncommitted, obviously, in the 2024 class. I think that we're going to see more names start to pop up because as of right now, outside of Gerby Lambert and Davis Andrews in the 2024 class, there's no other real targets on the board that are like clear-cut targets for Notre Dame as far as their takes right now for Notre Dame if they wanted to choose Notre Dame. But we're in the evaluation period now. So as more games are played, could there be another corner that pops on the scene and Notre Dame gets interested in? Sure. Could there be another defensive tackle? Sure. Could there be another wide receiver? Sure. Could there even be a tight end? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, so I think Notre Dame is going to keep their eyes open during the evaluation period. So yeah, I think a fourth receiver could be on the table depending on who wanted to come and play. That's obviously a big question mark, but... So I don't have any names for you all right now because I think that Notre Dame is going to do their due diligence and do the evaluation process here moving forward. And Matt had another question. He just said, Do you think Kingston also will have a real chance to start next season? After watching his film, I think he's a great player who at very least will play a lot. He'd be hard to keep off the field. What one I think, Matt, for me, it's it's a question of who returns in 2024 at linebacker because you know, technically, JD Bertrand, Maris Loyfell, and Jack Kaiser Girl come back if they wanted to. I don't expect all those guys to come back, so that'll obviously alleviate a little bit of the depth concerns if you're a freshman coming in. But you still have Drake Bowen, Nolan Ziegler will obviously be back at that point, more than likely. You'll have some other young guys like Jay Nawsberries of the world, Jalen Sneed at Rover, even though that it isn't as practical for the conversation of Kingston, but I really think it depends on what of the senior linebackers that come back. If, if, let's say a a J.D. Bertrand does not come back, for instance, in this hypothetical, then I think that Kingston will definitely play as a freshman, because I think that you slot him right behind Drake Bowen, potentially, or someone like that, and I think he had potential to play really good football. He reminds me a lot of, and I've made this comparison before, completely different positions, but I think that Kingston Villiamulasa is a lot like Jaden Greathouse in the sense that is he going to be a starter year one? Maybe not, but I would be hard pressed if he wasn't in the two deep because he just he knows how to play. He's incredibly physical. His body's mature, and he's played high level football, so he knows the i he, he's, he knows the demands of playing for big programs. So I could see a guy like Kingston Villiamulasa coming in and being like a Jaden Greathouse, where it's just like he's in the two deep because he's a good football player, man. So I I think that he would be hard to keep off the field as a freshman. I do. We had a question from Silly Goose who says, Mailbag, can you see any scenario where a Bronte Johnson or Jeremiah Love transition to wide receiver at some point? Would that be a bad sign for recruiting or a testament to recruiting? Would it be a bad sign of recruit. I mean, I think it'd be a bad sign for the wide receiver position because I don't think the wide receivers are going to need a – Jeremiah Love or Bronte Johnson at wide receiver. Could Bronte Johnson play wide receiver at Notre Dame? Yes. Could Jeremiah Love do it? Lesser degree, but yes, he could. But one, I don't know why they would need to because Notre Dame is recruiting wide receiver at a very high level. So I don't I don't see why the need would arise. And ultimately, Notre Dame needs Bronte Johnson at safety. That's one of the spots that I just don't have a great feel for for the next couple of years, man. Like I'm a little worried about the safety position. So they need Bronte Johnson to play. Notre Dame, I mean, you saw Jeremiah Love in game one, did Yeah, I mean, he looked fantastic. So why would I move either one of those kids to wide receiver? And with how Notre Dame is recruiting and developing the wide receiver position, I don't see the need there, right? Like this isn't a couple years ago where you had four scholarship receivers healthy on the roster at one point. Notre Dame has created depth and they have a lot of good football players that are entering the wide receiver room. So I, I don't see the need for that one. So that would actually be a very bad sign because I would think there must be a lot of injuries at receiver if that is the move that you have to make. So, no, I like both those players at the positions that they play, and I don't see any reason to make that decision. We had another question from Irish Gordian Knott who said, what would Sean Savolano have to do for you to rank him over Owen Waiful?" Man, that's a t- that's actually a really tough question. Let me think. What do you have to do to, to – I mean, I think the biggest difference for wh- why I why I value Owen Waifel over Sean Cervillano right now is that Owen Waifel, I just think, is a better athlete. I mean, that's kind of where it is gr- Irish Gordy, not So, I mean, and Owen also is a very productive football player. I mean, he had over 20 tackles for loss and 10 sacks as a junior as well. So, he was productive. And I think he's a good athlete. Like I think he's a really good athlete. He's a strong kid. So I think Sean, like I just want to see more athleticism and more explosiveness out of him. And that's why I'm going to be very interested to see what I think about him after seeing another full season under his belt. Because he's always going to be productive. I mean, the kid had the kid had 50 tackles for loss and 22 sacks as a junior, but he was playing against not great competition. His the schedule this year for. For his school, for Clearwater uh, Academy International, is a lot better. So I'm interested to see one if the production stays similar, and two, I just want to see if athleticism comes along a little bit. So I have no questions about him as a point of attack player. Like he's a strong kid, boxy frame, pretty physical. I just I'm questioning like how much the athleticism will translate to the next level. Like that's kind of what I'm what I'm interested in. So we'll see we'll see how he develops. Next question is from, and we're already nearing the end, folks. So if you want to get a couple more questions in the chat, make sure to do that now. Or else we're going to the show. I mean, not super early. We're already over two hours, but but end the show maybe a little bit earlier. PK said, to the best of your knowledge, who in the 2024 class is coming in early in January? Great question. So as of right now, I believe for certain, the guys that I know of are certain early enrollees. CJ Carr is one. I believe Jack Larson is another. I believe Cam Williams is another. Not sure about Logan Salvatse. Don't, don't quote me on that one. I believe both the Charlotte Christian kids are. So I believe that both of Micah Gilbert and Bryce Young will be early enrollees. The running backs, I will get back to you. Offensive lineman, I don't think Peter Jones is. Anthony Knapp is. I'm not sure about Styles Prescott. So on offense for the guys that I know for sure, Micah Gilbert, CJ Carr, Anthony Knapp, Jack Larson, for sure. Defensively, Bryce Young, Cole Mullins will be early enrollees. Let me think. Logan Thomas, I believe, is an early – wait, nope. Logan Thomas is not an early enrollee. I lied. But I don't know that one for certain yet. Linebackers, Kingston will be an early enrollee. No doubt about that one. I believe the other two linebackers are wait and sees. Carson Hobbs can't early enroll Lee because there's some weird Ohio rule. Leonard Moore, I believe, is an early enrollee. Kennedy Erlacher, I believe, is an early enrollee. Not sure about Tabron and not sure about Bronte. So I think you have five on defense right now, four on offense, if I am correct in that. But PK, we will have more in depth on that, obviously, as people move through the season. And we get a little bit more insights on who for sure is going to be an early enrollee. But those are the guys I know of as of right now. Great question though. We had another question from WJS who says, IB Mailbag, can you make a show with you and Greer call it linebacker lounge? Just an idea. I mean, I would love it. I mean, the problem is, is that, Greer is a college coach at the university of Charlotte. Right. So uh, for the 49ers. So I don't think he has a lot of time. Unfortunately, I would love it. I mean, if we had a show just talking about just the terminology of playing linebacker and the different tendencies and defensive schemes, I would love that, man. I would thoroughly enjoy that. Unfortunately, I think Greer Martini might be a little bit busy, (laughs) but I'll have a lot more recruiting stuff for you guys. I'm starting a little bit of an extra recruiting segment that'll be coming out weekly. So I'll try to get you a little bit more content from the, from the podcast perspective. But unfortunately I think Greer might be a little bit busy, unfortunately, but yeah, I would love, I would personally love it though, man. I love talking the linebacker position. I love talking ball in general, but linebacker position is one that is near and dear to my heart. So yeah, I would love that, though. we would definitely love that. Jay Henry. What's up, Jay? How does Chansey Stuckey and Dylan McCullough handle their rooms with so much talent, young talent in their rooms? Do they start to have combos with the other kids? Jay, I mean, I guess this is talking about, like, playing time, I guess, is the conversation. I, I think that – and I think Dylan and Chansey both answered the bell in week one because, I mean – Played a lot of dudes. I mean, we talked about it. This isn't just specific to run to wide receivers, but nine players caught a pass against Navy, and all five running backs had carries and touches in that football game. So Jeremiah Love came in, four carries, 40 yards. Jadarian Price had a touchdown. Jabron Payne played. I mean, Audrey Guesteme obviously played. I mean, for me, like, Coach Dielans, McCullough answered very easily. Like, if you're a good running back and you're a weapon, come here and we're going to use you because we're going to keep guys fresh. Why receivers-wise? We saw we saw Jaden Greathouse in big moments of that football game against Navy. We saw Rico Flores in big moments of that football game. We saw Deion Colsey. We saw Tobias Merriweather. We saw Jane Thomas. We saw Matt Salerno. Like, Notre Dame showed guys that they're, if they can play, they're going to get on the field. So I think you just do what you're doing, man. Like, I don't think you – I don't think you need to have a conversation about it. I mean, I think the big thing, though, is that both coaches, I think, have already showed that like the best player is going to play at the end of the day, right? So, if a player's upset about playing time, which is always going to happen, it's a very simple conversation, right? I'm showing that you that I'll play you if you're the best player. Like you're mixing in here, you got to outwork the next guy in front of you. Then, if you want to get to that next tier of touches, right? So. I think that they'll handle it very, pretty good, well, uh, pretty well, man. Honestly, though, if for some reason it gets to a point where like player X wants to transfer because player Y is playing more, the great thing is that both those positions are recruiting at a very high level. So I know it's it's sad every time a player transfers from a program, but as long as Notre Dame is bringing in talents. it's a necessary evil in college football nowadays. So it's a great question, Jay, but I just, I'm just not worried about it personally, because I just think that Notre Dame's bringing in so much talent and they're, but they're showing that they will play the talents if they deserve it, which I think is a great thing. Next question is from extra Hunter it Said Ryan, any recruits or recruits coming this weekend? So we had an update a while ago, and I think he posted on Twitter again, this morning, Logan Saldate, wide receiver commit in the 2024 class, will be on campus this weekend for Notre Dame's game against Tennessee State on Saturday. The answer is to your question, though, D-Troll. Yes, there will be recruits on campus. There's no doubt. Will there be like a substantial list of big time recruits? No, like it's it's they're going to save those for the Ohio States of the world, the USC's of the world. But there will be recruits on campus. We'll keep you guys updated at BorsatAdvertisingBreakdown.com for when we get more verification on some guys that will be on campus this weekend. But I wouldn't expect a lot of substantial players outside of local Salvate coming to campus. Raymond Harton said, is there someone from good counsel we are looking at or was that last year? Raymond, there were a couple guys from good counsel last year that Notre Dame was recruiting for a little bit in the 2024 class or this, this class, I should say like Kyle, Kyle Tuner was a good offensive lineman that Notre Dame was looking at for a little bit before some other guys just became more priorities than him. But nobody in the, there's nobody in the 2025 class that Notre Dame is looking at from good counsel. St. Francis Academy is the big place down in Maryland that Notre Dame is looking at a lot. I mean, you got Blake Woodby and Kevin Humes and Trent Wilson, and there's a lot of talent out of the Maryland area in general, but good counsel in 2025 does not have anybody that Notre Dame is targeting as of right now. Great question, though. We had our next question was from Michael. Dallas Fan... NDC Campbell, Michael Campbell, who are Notre Dame's top 10 fastest players in the 2023 roster who are getting playing time, who are getting playing time. So, I mean, I, I, so I can't include Michael Bell in that conversation, right? Man, Michael, that's a great question. Uh, Chris Tyree, Jeremiah Love, Jabron, uh, Jadarian Price, excuse me, that are getting playing time. I would say, let me just, Cam Hart. I was trying to work through offensive defense, but I want to make sure I don't miss people. Cam Hart. I would say Benjamin Morrison is probably in the top 10, I would assume. Tobias Merriweather. Deion Colsey. Jaden Mickey. Man, it's a tough question, sir. Um, Two more guys. I mean, skill position, I guess. Rico Flores and somebody else. I mean, Jabron Payne actually is pretty fast. People don't really give him enough credit, but it's probably the fastest right now. I mean, the crazy part is, is that a couple of years years down the line, we're going to be talking about Micah Bell and Cam Williams and Christian. Oh, Christian Gray would be in that top 10. Excuse me. I forgot Christian Gray played this past week. Christian Gray would 100% be in that top 10. My guy can scoot. So that would be some of them. That would be some of them. We had – and, Michael, thank you so much for joining the show, man. I see you're not terrorizing Ohio State fans on Twitter right now, man. Nice to have you. I'm being sarcastic, by the way. I'm just messing with you. Please don't take that to heart. We had Lucky Ducks 512 said, what is one thing you'd like to see CJ Carr improve at this year? I mean, a couple – one's a physical thing, and then one's just kind of an operational thing. One, physically, I think that he continues to need to add just weight to his frame, power to his frame, because I still think there's an uptick in arm strength that he could have. I think his arm's good, like it's good arm strength, but I still think that he could add more pop to his arm. I really do. So arm strength, I think, could just still take a a step forward if you're CJ. Like Mechanically, he's really sound. I think the one thing is that I've talked about his ability to work outside of structure a whole lot more. He's done a great job being able to manage those things, manage the chaos and be able to make plays outside of structure. I just think though, that there are times where maybe live to play another down could be a thing that CJ should work for. So I think the risk management thing is the biggest thing is that it doesn't happen often to CJ because he's a really good sound decision maker, but there are times where it's like, Pull it back a little bit. Like we understand you can make some plays when it's outside of structure, but like live to play another down. So I think just risk management to a degree and then adding power to his frame, continuing to up that arm strength, those are the couple big things that I would like to see. Oh sorry, Jason, you're right. I meant to say with all due respect, with all due respect, Michael. My apologies. Last question, unless we have somebody. Else wants to drop one in. Detroit Hunter, are you traveling for any games this year? Perhaps a USC game to do an on-campus live show. On-campus live. Oh, I, I get what I get. What you're saying there. I get what you're saying there. Uh, so games I'll be at this 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 year. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be limited to this or not, but we'll see. As of right now, I'll be at the Central Michigan game, and I'll be down in Maryland. Uh, sorry, in North Carolina, most likely for the Duke game. So there's only two games I have on the docket as of right now. I would like to get to at least one more home game, but I, it's not for sure going to happen yet. So those are the two games. USC, I mean, hey, man, if if someone wants to commit during the USC game and they want Notre Dame, I and mean, if they want IB Nation to cover it, give me a call in my DMs. I can make that happen, man. I can make that happen. No doubt about it. I think that's going to do it. Yep, that's it. So real quick, before we get out of here, folks. As we wind down the Irish Breakdown podcast, if you could please, if you liked some of the recruiting conversation we had earlier, if you liked my interview with Taliota Villamo Asa, or if you liked the mailbag section today, if you could please do me a favor. Don't leave yet. Just hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Five-star reviews are very much appreciated. Make sure you go sign up at boris.irishbreakdown.com. At We will be back tonight, IB Nation Sports Talk, at 6 o'clock Eastern time. I'll be back with Brian Driscoll tomorrow as we start to really turn forward now to Tennessee State and what you should be expecting from them this weekend. So make sure you follow boards.irishpecting.com. We'll be having a lot more info, a lot more content. want to thank you all so much and being with me here today. Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting. Bringing you all a little bit of recruiting hour on a Monday, a part of the Irish Breakdown podcast. Oh